I'm not taking a single penny from any country. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'm a Democrat. A liberal voice on a conservative talk show. What's the worst that could happen? It's Debate with the Democrat, featuring proud card-carrying Democrat Jeff Smith on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back. Jeff Smith joins us today. Debate with the Democrat. But today, maybe, just maybe, a little bipartisanship. We watched yesterday as Mitch McConnell took a 19-second pause in the middle of questioning by the media. And today, Republican, Democrat, we all have the same question. When are we going to get younger leaders in office? Jeff Smith, what's the solution to ageism in politics? Uh, The solution to ageism? I'm an ageist myself. I think we should probably have like a 75-year age limit for people. So I I wouldn't be the solution to that. I would probably be the problem. It's interesting because the Missouri (laughs) Supreme Court, Missouri courts have rules. Once you turn a certain age, you can't serve in office anymore. anymore. Is there ever going to be a state that allows something like that for their politicians? And should there be? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. uh, I I actually think that. where we're going in this country over the next, you know, year and a half is, is pretty depressing, you know, to have the, I think the Democrats in Congress did a good job and a smart thing last year when they realized that their triumvirate of leaders, Nancy in the house, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Jim Clyburn and Steny Hoyer were like 81, 82 and 79. And they said, you know what? Like, it's enough. We've got to have a new generation of leadership. And, and uh, then there's three new Democratic leaders that are all like in their, you know, 40s and 50s, um, which I think is, you know, more appropriate, uh, better optics. But more importantly, like this is a critical job. These are critical jobs. And many of us have parents that are in their 80s. And we know it's just a fact of life. Unless you're superhuman, you're slowing down a lot. And I think the country would be wise to move on as a whole from McConnell, Biden, Trump, all people who are past their prime. How do we, you know, age isn't always a flat line. There are 60-year-olds that don't have the mental capabilities to serve, and there are 90-year-olds that are still sharp as tack. How do we, should we have some sort of, you know, basic, mental capacity testing or should we just make it a straight age cap? You know, it's such a tough thing. I was being maybe a little bit facetious and, and flippant. Uh, you you know, are, but ago, I mean, we, we watched, but, I just saw this video of, of California Senator Diane Feinstein, who I think is 90 and her yeah. aides are literally just telling her, Oh yeah, just vote yes on this thing. She doesn't even know where she is half the time. She's introducing herself as mayor Feinstein because she was a mayor 40 years ago, I mean, we have a a government that's run and and has been forever. I mean, Woodrow Wilson was an invalid the last two years of his presidency. His wife ran the country. This is not a new phenomenon. It's not, you know, and in particular on the on the 
Dine case, um, you know, some of the issues go back to our hyper, our partisan hyperpolarization in the country, right? Because the Senate is so close and Democrats desperately need that vote, the Feinstein vote on judiciary to advance uh, federal judicial nominations. They won't say the obvious thing that actually a few people have said, uh, like Ro Khanna, the, the California congressperson, who said, you know, look, it's time for you. You know, you've done uh, decades and decades of service. It's time, you know, when you're 90 years old and you're in the terrible health. Look, Democrats fell prey uh, very consequentially to this issue when we made Ruth Bader Ginsburg sort of like, you know, everyone worshipped her so much. And when it was time, when she was in her 80s and it was time to have said, hey, it's time to resign while Obama is still president. Uh, and, and she thought she could live all the way through and that Hillary would win. And it turned out disastrously for the pro-choice movement and for the things that she purported to believe so strongly in. It's time for a lot of these leaders who are well into their 80s to get out of the way, make way for a new generation, and realize that the things that they, you know, are so passionate about fighting for, these causes are not well served when they stay long past their prime. The thing is, though, I think some of them are always afraid. They're so defined by their position that they're not, you know, kudos to Senator Roy Blunt. He did 12 years in the Senate. He's happy and healthy and, and loving life. But there are some of these leaders that I think are so afraid of leaving office. That's their complete identity in life. And I mean, we've already seen what happens when you when you do you wait too long. Nancy Pelosi waited too long. And then, you know, she had to run a male prostitute out of her house. That dead just, silence, I think, is on purpose. I think <laughs> <laughs> that was that was great. I, I hope I hope your audience knows how ridiculous that statement is. But anyway, <laughs> um, but, but but anyway, I think um, a, a, as he said, you know, it's um, you know a lot of people stay past their time. Roy Blunt was sort of like the Jim Brown of 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 uh, Missouri politics, right? Like he did his, you know, he did his thing uh, in the. Um, you know, and then he moved on to the Senate. He did his thing, had a great career in the house, went into leadership and then moved to the Senate quickly got to leadership in the Senate had, was an impact player in both chambers and then got out pretty much in his prime and, uh, and, you know, and good for him. He can make money and have some leisure time. You know, I think he was, he, is he 70 when he retired? Yeah. So and, right? and, and, you know, and still, still pretty very, very sharp, very physically healthy. And it's something that, you know, I, I think Missouri, partially because of term limits, but we've sort of been famous for having young political leaders. You know, Matt Blunt, very young governor. I think Scott Fitzpatrick was the youngest statewide official. At one point, both Jason Josh Kander, Hawley. Jason Kander had been the young, he was the youngest statewide official in yeah, the country. And I think both Josh Hawley and Eric Schmidt at the time they got elected were the youngest senators in the U.S. Senate. Missouri seems to have sort of a predilection for younger, you know, politicians. But then there are some states that they've accumulated those years of seniority and, and whether it's Senator McConnell in Kentucky 
or or um, uh, Joe Biden or whoever it is, they stay to a point where they may not even know what's going on anymore. And it's, it's, it's sad and it's not beneficial for our for our republic. Yeah. You know, you left yourself out. You were at age 36, I believe, the youngest speaker of the House uh, in the country. Um, we have a, a state Senate that doesn't allow you to be too young because you have to be 30 when you get there. But, you know, I was 32 when I got elected there and age and, and, you know, vibrancy is critical in the Missouri Senate, maybe as critical as it is anywhere in the country. Right. Because the filibuster uh, is integral to influencing public policy in the state of Missouri, because in the Senate, you know, you can stand for as long as you want to talk. And the way that you can extract better terms in a compromise is if you're able to stand for 10 hours and talk. And being, you know, 32 when I got there, I was able to do that in a way that the, the giants of the old Senate who were, you know, in their 60s, 70s, uh, weren't able to do. And, and that was very helpful. So, you know, this is not just an academic you know, uh, debate. This has real world consequences, especially in the state of Missouri, given the norms um, of our institutions. Yeah, it's one issue that I think McConnell really summed it up yesterday. But I think Biden has been. It's one issue where I think Republicans and Democrats are both gonna gonna get to a point and say we need to do something about this. It's not it's not healthy or beneficial long term for 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 our our democracy. I also think it's not healthy or beneficial, you know, for the individuals who are, you know, um, who are about here, right? Because like, you know, it, the Senate has long been characterized as the world's most luxurious nursing home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, and some John Fetterman is not stay. helping that. <laughs> and some people I think stay because they have a staff to take care of, you know, basically all of their needs. But that is, you know, um, obviously, that isn't how taxpayers should be spending their money. And I think for the purposes of, of the, you know, of people who are in public life, you, you referenced this earlier, but it's not healthy as a public servant to have your entire identity tied up in your, you know, political job because it insulates you from the, you know, from the real world, from voters who, whose job, you know, um, whose views you're supposed to be representing. And when you're in public office for 30, 40, 50 years, you're so insulated, especially given, um, again, the polarization of our country, which means that most incumbents are in safe districts or safe states, so they don't really have to go home much or spend that much time with regular voters. And after 40 years of not doing that, you're going to be pretty out of touch. And so... I don't think it's, you know, and I don't think it's healthy for anyone to have their identity so deeply tied up in their job. I think you need to have interests and relationships outside of your narrow field. Jeff, as we do every day, we finish up with two questions. First is our question of the day. I like today's question of the day a lot. Question of the day today, what's your number one tip for public speaking? My number one tip for public speaking is to, um, and this goes for people who are on the radio, goes for people who are on TV, uh, and it goes when you're doing, you know, like a keynote at a podium. Um, when, when you're talking to people like an interviewer, just have a conversation and try to forget that there's any camera, that there's any microphone. Just talk to people in the same tone that you'd talk to people otherwise. You don't sound contrived or highfalutin or stilted that way. 
Um, and when you're on a podium, you know, just don't go and read a speech. Uh, go and, you know, have some notes and have, you know, kind of some, hey, some big picture topics that you want to cover. But try to just be conversational. And that's the best way to keep the attention of an audience because that way you can contact with everybody in that audience during your speech. Jeff, as we, uh, um, as we finish up, if people want to follow along with you on social media, how do they do that? Hey, thanks for asking. Uh, people can find me on X. Yeah. You, like yes. you like the way oh, I'm yeah. embracing the new brand here? He's so hip. He's so modern. I love it, Jeff Smith. Right, right, right. So you can find me on X. My handle is at Jeff Smith Mo, at Jeff Smith M-O. Jeff, thanks again for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Hey, stay cool out there. All right. We're almost, we got one segment still to go. We're going to do a Mount Rushmore segment on a Thursday because, hey, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Stick around for that. A man learns who's there for him when the glitter fades and the walls won't hold.